0: This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, and good morning to online. You know, we have, uh, good morning to those of you watching from India, because our hot map shows that, to Sweden, um, Africa, New York, all over the country. So, thanks for joining us today. Now, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. How many feel like you ate too much? Or did you do pretty good? Did you do all right? How many feel like oh, you're just kind of like a little bit lethargic today? Or is it all good? It's all good. All right, good, good, good. Well, I'll do my best not to put you to sleep today, okay? So let me try. So Jen and I are not really movie watchers. I don't know if you are or not, but I know some people like, you know, that's just the thing you do, which is cool. Um, We're not. And so probably if we watch one movie a year, we'll we'll be doing pretty good. And if I stay up for the whole movie, (laughs) then that would be really, really good. But um, uh, last night we watched kind of half of Santa Claus 2. This is one of my favorite movies. I cry. I mean, come on. You know, so, and we're going to watch it again. I asked Jen last night, and then she says, do you know what happens here? And I go, no, don't tell me. As many times as I've I've watched it, I'm always surprised with what's going to happen, you know, but this one movie, I talked Jen into watching, and uh, have you seen Hachi? Okay, I got in trouble for showing that movie to my wife, right, because at the end, you know, I won't blow it too much for you if you haven't watched it, but it's, it's, it's kind of a cool movie, but it's kind of really sad too. And when the movie ended, my wife liked to beat the living daylights out of me for showing her that movie, you know, like that. I asked her the other night, you want to watch Hachi again? Never again will we watch Hachi, ever again. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever watched a movie that somebody recommended to you and you got to the end of it and you go like, that's it? Have you had that experience? Like, you got, you got to be kidding me. I just spent like two and a half hours watching this movie, and like, that is it right there. That's it. And you're kind of mad at them for even recommending the movie to you. Or maybe it's not a movie. How many have had that experience with a book? Raise your hand here in person, okay? You've read a book, and you go like, the book just ends. And you go like, you got to be kidding me. That's it? I just want to... Have you imagined with me for just a, a few minutes, what if life was that way? That's awful. What if you got to the end of life and it was like, that's it? And actually, you couldn't even say that's it because, like, that is over and you have no capacity to say, like, that's it. Like, imagine for just a moment. If, that's it like you live and and then you die and then you go like is that it that's it someone described it this way who obviously is not a believer that the end of life is kind of like before you were born so what do you remember before you were born nothing so when life is over that's it it's just over and and then someone said this here's what you do your physical self dies and that's it. Game over. Nothing more. That's it. It's like if you play Monopoly and you you, know, you don't go past go or whatever. That's it. Can you imagine for just a moment if that was it. Dr. Sharon Dirk says this, if you are just your brain, then you were made only for this world, and the only mantra to live by is to live well and make the most out of life while you have it, or you only, live, like you only live life once, right? So just make the most of it. Live your best life because when it's over, that is it. End of game, nothing more. Just imagine that for just a moment. Just think about it. That's it. Well, Dr. Ger- Dirks goes along and, and uh, she says this, Christianity says you are more than your brain because you and I, we were made for eternity. One way or another, there will be consciousness in eternity, whether with Christ or apart from him. So live every day, live today with eternity in mind. Imagine that now for a moment. Live every day with eternity in mind because when this life is over, like this isn't it. There's something else beyond this life and this is what we're going to be talking about in this series called imagine lee strobel paraphrasing uh, jp moreland uh, who is a theologian and apologist says this i am a soul and i have a body that opens the door to the possibility that when my body takes its last breath in this world i can actually live that's why truth says truth says you never really die you don't die so when you breathe your, your, your last breath here on this earth, like you never really die. You immediately go into eternity. So that's what we're going to think about. That's what we're going to imagine. There are those people who believe. There's that system of belief that, that says like when your physical body's done, no more, that's it. But we know that's not true, that we have a body and we have a soul. And our soul will live on into eternity. So just imagine that for just a few moments. Years ago, there was a a person on Have you ever heard of uh, uh, um, near-death experiences, NDE? Yeah, near-death experiences. Years ago, we had a lady on our worship team here who had a near-death experience, and she shared that with me. Um, And and, uh, she ultimately died um, numbers of, of years later. But this experience that she had that I'm going to tell you about um, prepared her for death. In fact, she said this, I no longer fear dying because of this experience. And she shared there was a traumatic event that she had, and she was in the hospital. And as far as the doctors were concerned, she died. But she described to me, she says, Tom, I was up above, and I was watching the doctors work on me. And watching this whole event take place, and I was at peace. And then when she re-entered her body, soul and body, connected, she goes, "I no longer feared death because of that experience." I have another experience where a, a lady had a near-death experience, and she was up above, and she was watching the doctor's work on her. And she was up above. you know the ceiling fans. Some of you have a ceiling fan, right? In your home, maybe? And she noticed there was a red sticker on top on the ceiling side of the ceiling fan, and so later on, when she reentered her body, she told the doctor or the nurse, I forget which one it was, about that red sticker on that ceiling fan. Guess what they did? They got a chair, got up there, and looked, and lo and behold, guess what was there? A red sticker on top of that. Listen to two more, so from Lee Strobel's book, and it's a book I would recommend to you called The Case for Heaven. He shares this. On her deathbed, a woman named Eleanor began calling out the names of deceased ones she was seeing. Suddenly, she saw a cousin named Ruth. What's she doing here? (laughs) Now, don't you be thinking of any of your cousins or your mother-in-law or anything like that, okay? Um, What's she doing here? Eleanor, Eleanor blurted out, It turns out Ruth had died unexpectedly the week before. But Eleanor, because of her illness, had never been told. What's she doing here? Listen to this one. A young woman on her deathbed left her body and went to another room at the hospital where she overheard her brother-in-law say he was going to wait around to see if she was going to kick the bucket. She later embarrassed him by telling him what she had heard. (laughs) So... (laughs) Be very careful. Be very, very, very careful. It's been said that there are only two things that last forever the Word of God and the soul of men. So just imagine with me for just a few moments eternity. Every person we meet is an eternity, has an eternal soul. So what if we begin to see people through that lens? What if you begin to see your life through the, the lens of eternity? What if that is on your mind? How would. That change your life today. If you see eternity, what's happening in the next life? How's that change your today? You see, Jesus affirms this truth. Listen to it in Matthew chapter chapter 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and and body in hell. It's it's really it's really a warning Jesus is describing for us what we often hear and sometimes we confuse the fear the fear of the Lord. It's not terror or panic that causes us to cower. It's a healthy fear that keeps us away from those things that can harm us like like fire. So godly fear involves profound respect. And here what Jesus is saying like don't fear physical death. Now, I know that we're going to be all over the map on that online, here, in person. Like, if I, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but if I were to ask you, like, how many fear death? See, how many fear death? Yeah. Um, and I think it was Mark Twain who said, I don't fear death. I just fear the process of dying. You know, and, that, and that's maybe where you are today, but maybe some of you fear death because, like, you're just not really sure what's on the other side of eternity, you see. And you're just not certain. And I was thinking about today, and that thinking about you and some I know pretty well, and some just met today, and some maybe for the first time. But here's my hope and here's my desire for you. Whether you're sitting at home or maybe in in an apartment or an RV, here in person, that you be certain of your eternity. That you know for certain that when death arrives for you and for me, like we don't have to fear death because we know what's on the other side of of, of death in this life, physical death. The message to be shared is that salvation through Jesus will bring the promise of eternal life. And Jesus continues this teaching expressing the truth that this same God, Deeply um, declares for his own people, and this God did something in this life, in this world, in order for you and me to enter into that place of eternal hope that says, like, when I die here, I'm going to be with Jesus for eternity. We are both body and soul, and we will spend eternity somewhere. And so it's the where that I want to talk about. It's the where I want us to just imagine for just a little bit this morning. Paul says it this way in First Thessalonians 4, verse 17. You, you've heard it. He says this, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. So how, how long will we be with the Lord? Always. Can you just imagine for just a moment what eternity looks like? And what eternity feels like, let me ask you this, have you ever run out of time visiting with a friend? How many at the end of maybe Thanksgiving, so Jen and I were over in Yakima, my youngest son lives over there, and you know, it's just a short time, right? We're just a couple days, and but pretty soon that time ends, and maybe your time ended, and you go like, I just can't believe the time was so short we got to be together. Did you ever feel that way? Like we did, can you just imagine eternity, like we will always be with the Lord, like you don't ever have to stop the party. Can, can your mind even imagine that? Now, that, for me, that like goes way outside, I think, my, my, at least my capacity to, to imagine, like I can't imagine eternity, like you could just have a cup of coffee with somebody, Forever. Or for years and years and years and it just never end. We will always be with the Lord. That's why Paul says in earlier verses, like we grieve, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope. So yesterday, Jen and I were at the funeral service of my mom's twin, who would have turned ninety-five. So mom, mom went to be with Jesus just over three years ago, and they would have celebrated their their ninety-fifth birthday here on in november 24th i think it was and so anyway um they're reunited in heaven so i just spent some time just kind of imagining w- what that was like have you ever done that it's like you go like i just kind of wonder what happened when uncle arvin met and my mom were reunited again i kind of wonder sick we grieve right But we don't grieve like those with no hope. We don't grieve like those who go like, when this life is over, (laughs) that's it, like, in, in in the game. We don't grieve like that. We grieve if you're a follower of Jesus, right? We grieve because we're a people with hope. We can be certain of our where because Jesus is our hope. Now, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. So we're going to go First Peter chapter one. We're going to dive in for just a little bit here, beginning with uh, just two verses. Three, beginning with verse number three, and read through verse number five. Here it is: um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say, "Blessed, blessed." Okay. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to what kind of hope? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the dead. And I just want to unpack a few things this morning. I want to break it down, this verse. And maybe if you're a Bible circular, I mean a circular in your Bible, or you highlight, you might want to highlight a couple of these phrases. Number one, blessed be the God and Father. This is praise. This is recognizing the one, capital O, who is, is worthy. And Peter's further description is in verses eight and nine. If you read down further, though you have not seen him. You love him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So what causes you today to just stop and marvel at the blessing of God? When was the last time that you just stopped and you marveled at the blessing of God that says, look, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be with me forever. Does that just cause you to just stop and say, blessed be God our Father? Because that's what Peter does. He says, blessed be to him. It's like he's lifting his, his praise. And maybe other passages in Scripture. This past week, I was just focused on Psalm 56. And it was one of my prayer psalms this week. And, and, and what has just stuck in my mind over and over every day. And this morning, I, I just wrote it down again. And the psalmist says this, this I know that God is for me. This I know that God is for me. This I know that at the end of my life, God is for me. This I know that regardless of the circumstance or situation I I might be in right now, blessed be the God uh, and Father. He is for me. This I know that God is for me and God is going to keep me and God is going to keep you. So, blessed be the God and Father. Then he speaks of his mercy. According to His great mercy, blessed be the God and Father. And according to His great mercy, mercy right means to show kindness or concern for someone in serious need. So, how many ever played the game Mercy before? Kind of a stupid game, right? Played it as a kid, maybe. Mercy, anybody? Okay, for it's new for some. It's all oh, you, you kind of lock hands, right, with the other person like this, and then you try to bend back that person's fingers until you just nearly bust them, break them, or until they call mercy. And then when they cry mercy, you let up. Go try it when you get home, okay? Give it a go, right? Teach your kids, like, play play mercy. Lock your fingers, bend them back. And when your sister cries, then you gotta let up because that's the game, okay? So when you cry, when you cry mercy. When there's enough pain there, you cry out for help. That's the game of mercy. Listen to Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. She's in pain. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Have mercy. I'm in pain. I'm in great need today. God have mercy. Let me paraphrase that verse this way: Jesus, I'm in need and I need help. I'm in pain today. Psalmist cries out for mercy, the mercy of God, according to his unfailing love. And perhaps we can relate to the tax collector, right? Who stood at a distance and he says, This, God have mercy on me, a sinner. But how about, for you and for me, when we cried out for mercy, we were in this state of lostness, in distress from our sin, from our heart, and some of us verbally did that, didn't we? We cried out to God, and we may not have cried out, God have mercy on me, but what we did is we cried out and said, God, I need you today, like my life is a mess, I'm in pain, Jesus, you're my hope, and I'm crying out to you today. What we were doing is we were crying out for, for mercy, and then Jesus showed up. The punishment we deserved is being withheld, and we received undeserved blessings, mercy, and grace, because that's what we experienced in that moment when we cried out in our deep pain because of our sin, regardless of how old we were, regardless of what maybe we have fallen into. Like we're, we're humans, like we we do pretty good. We like to like categorize sins, right? This person here is really bad. This person's really a sinner, and this person they did pretty good in life, and so they're not, they're not so bad. <clears throat> but it doesn't make any difference, does it? Because we're all sinners, and when we cried out for mercy, we all received the same forgiveness, right? and wholeness of our soul and and our being. Just imagine now the life that you have because of what Jesus did for you and for me when we cried out for mercy. Blessed be God our Father. We were born again. Here's the reality. You didn't have a whole lot to do with your physical birth. You didn't do anything. You just showed up, right? Your mother did all the work. You know, mom, and your mother loved you regardless. She did the work and it uh, didn't make any difference in those moments what you looked like as a newborn baby. I know most of you, beautiful babies, I'm sure. Some of us struggled <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, some of us, um, if you were to walk by the nursery, would go like, not him. I'm talking about myself now. Um, when your siblings um, cry when your mother brings you home, you know it was kind of a rough go of things, right? Yeah. And even wanted to trade me in. True story. It's like you could take, take him back, get another one, Mom. Like, that doesn't, doesn't work, work that way, right? But mom loved me, and she, she kept me. But you know, the same, same is true for our, our, our salvation, right? Sin caused you, and sin caused me, spiritually speaking, to look pretty bad. The ugliness of, of sin. We, in our sin, like, we, we missed the mark, right? In the purpose for all of life. And that's to bring God glory. And unlike physical birth, where most perhaps of all of you were beautiful babies, we were born into spiritual darkness as as sinners. And just like you had nothing to do with your physical birth, you had nothing to do with your spiritual birth either, because you couldn't do anything. He did it all. God sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me, and we experience a spiritual birth. We were born out of relationship with the Father. The good news is, because of this broken relationship with the Father, God sent his son Jesus into the world. And we, if you're a follower of Jesus, have been restored into right relationship. And if you have not received him as your Savior, the good news is, you can. And when you begin to imagine eternity, you begin to imagine eternity with Jesus with him forever and ever, always with him. That's the good news, because what he has brought us into is lastly, a living hope. This new birth, this spiritual birth, results in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this living hope is based on the living, resurrected Christ, not on you that Jesus is alive, that we through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Because if your faith and your hope is in anything else by then, it's game over. If your hope and your trust is in your good works or your ability to live live a good life, right, It's game over. It's through the living, resurrected Christ. Our hope and our faith are in God. The Christian's assurance in Christ is as certain and sure as the fact that Christ is alive today. And so Peter uses the word living like six times. Living means that the believer's hope is sure and is certain and it's real as opposed to the deceptive, empty, false hope that the world offers. That's why he says it's a living hope. It's anchored in three areas. It's anchored in the past because guess what? Jesus rose from the dead. Yes? Amen. It's anchored in the present because Jesus is alive and His Spirit lives in you and it lives in me. And it's anchored in the future because of the promise of eternity with him. Just listen to Romans chapter 6 verse 22. "But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, and its end, eternal life. Imagine that with me for just a moment. Eternal life. What does the Bible say about eternity? What does the Bible say about this eternal life? That is our destiny, it's our hope for every follower of Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. If you have trouble imagining it, you're in good company. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. But as certain as there is eternity with Him, there is eternity without him. You see, you never really die. There is eternity with Jesus, and there is eternity without him. And in just a moment, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray no, two prayers. I'm going to invite you to pray for those who don't know Jesus. If you're a follower of Him, I'm going, to, I'm going to invite you to pray for those who don't know Jesus. There, there are people that you're in relationship right now, and maybe even people that you'll meet this next week, or maybe they are people um, that you've been praying for for a long time. We're going to let that. We're going to pray for those who don't know Jesus because eternity is real, and you will spend eternity somewhere. Secondly. We're going to pray that the Spirit would speak to us about someone that we can invite and share on Christmas Eve. And here's the reason why, because I'm going to be sharing a salvation message that day specifically for unsaved people. So pray about someone that you can invite. You know, it's been said, and I think it's true, that people are more likely to come um, on two events during the year, and Christmas is one of them. So if you invite someone, maybe a workmate or someone that you live nearby, invite them on Christmas Eve, because that... That day, I promise you, they will have the opportunity to lift um, their prayer to Jesus for for salvation. And then the second prayer is this. I'm just going to ask you to consider where you are today. Where are you today? Do you know Jesus? Maybe you just jumped online, or maybe you just kind of walked in today, and you're not really certain, and you fear death because you're not certain about your eternity I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to invite you to pray with me. It says, Jesus, look, I, I believe in you. John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that those who do what? Believe in him. We'll experience this hope that we're talking about. And you can be in that place of just imagining what it will be like when we're with Jesus Always. So will you join me in this first prayer in praying for those who don't know Jesus and who the Spirit might speak to us right now about inviting on Christmas Eve? Can we do that? No, Father, right now, we just lift up those that we're praying for. Some some have been praying for a very long time for a friend or a relative, maybe a son, maybe a daughter, um, maybe a mom or dad, aunt, uncle, We've been praying for them for a very, very long time. And so we just joined together here in person, online, in lifting up these. God, would you make yourself real to them? We pray that the Spirit would come alive in in them, that you would draw them to yourself. And God, they would come to that point where they open up their heart and their life and they receive you as their Lord and Savior. And they experience this eternal hope That we're talking about today. That when we imagine eternity, we imagine eternity with you. I would pray, Father, that you would cause circumstances to take place in your life that will drive them to you. That's what we pray together. We'll lay on our heart someone that we can invite, Father, to Christmas Eve. The message of hope will be be shared. Pray for that. And now I just want to pray for you today. If you're here sitting or maybe online and you you do fear death because you're not certain of your eternity, I don't want you to leave today without the opportunity of expressing your faith and trust in your belief in him. I don't want you to go offline without the opportunity to be certain where you're going to spend eternity. And I just quoted John three sixteen. That's a verse that a lot of people know by heart, right? So what's it mean? It just means that we put our faith, our trust, and our belief in him. We say, God, I believe that you came. I believe that you sent your son Jesus into the world who sacrificed his life. Um, for me, because of his life, because of his shed blood, I can be made a brand new person and live with this eternal hope. And so, Father, I just pray across this room online. There, if there are those who, have, those who have never, never placed their faith and trust in you, maybe fear death because they're not sure about eternity. You can be certain today saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you and ask you to forgive me. And I just pray that as I live my life for you, as I turn my life over to, to you, I can live with this eternal hope. I give you thanks for the eternal hope that I have. In Jesus' name, amen.